Um, in this hour, um, uh, in this half hour, I should say, a conversation about the uptick in threats of political violence inside various online platforms and the highly charged rhetoric coming now from far-right militia organizations. Of course, all this being propagated by certain Republicans, indeed a former president named Donald Trump. Trump, of course, being arraigned in just uh, two and a half hours or so now, uh, being arraigned today in Miami on those 37 felony counts, law enforcement on high alert. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, pleased to be joined now by author and journalist Mike Rothschild uh, to talk about these Trump allies who have portrayed Trump's indictment as an act of war and have called for retribution. Indeed, as I said earlier, uh, they've been posting online, and I'm not making this up, you've probably seen it for yourself, uh, that uh, bodies need to start stacking up before they are taken seriously. That is their rhetoric. Mike Rothschild, what say you about that kind of rhetoric online, sir? Uh, well, thanks for having me on the show. And th this is a uh, very typical rhetoric that you see in the anonymous online forums where these people hang out. So you see this on places like the Donald, on 8chan. You know, these are the places where January 6th was planned out in the open. And while what we're seeing in Miami so far doesn't have any real resemblance to what happened on that day, the rhetoric, the language, the violent ideation is is almost the same. Mm -hmm. what, what do you make of this violent ideation, as you put it, uh, uh, around the notion that a former president is being indicted for some pretty serious allegations? It's one thing uh, if an individual were being railroaded, as it were, and that our Justice Department, our system of jurisprudence isn't always right. History is replete with examples of people, certainly African-Americans, who've been railroaded by the process. But in this instance, if these allegations, if these indictments are to be believed, uh, it is, as we discussed yesterday on this program, so much worse than we actually thought. Um, Donald Trump stole nuclear secrets. He sold war plans. He stole, uh, not st uh, stole, stole. He stole war plans. He stole nuclear secrets. It's so much worse than we thought. It seems to me that these kind of violent ideations around a guy who could do something like that is misplaced. But that's my read of it. What's your read of it? Well, I mean, that's the, the logical and correct reading. But as we've seen with Donald Trump and with his hardest of the hardcore supporters, there is no bridge too far. There mm. is no crime that he can commit that will get them to give up on him because their identities are wrapped up in his identity. They, they've become essentially one. They're completely enmeshed. So when you have something like 37 extremely serious felony charges on the Espionage Act and on you know keeping some of the most precious secrets of the U.S. military and U.S. national security, these are the kind of things that in the 80s and 90s Republicans would have blown every single gasket over. Mm. But now it's just it's all fake. It's all a plot. And, and of course, it's fake. But we also have to kill people over it. So there's there's no internal logic over it whatsoever. Yep. What, what, do, you, what do you make of that point? You put your finger on something very, very pressing. And I want I want to unpack that for a second. We, we're moving <laughs> kind of fast here. Uh, you're right. Sure. Some years ago. If this had happened, certainly if a Democratic president had done it, even a Republican president, but certainly a Democratic president, Republicans would have lost their stuff um, over <laughs> these kinds of allegations. We're talking a party that is always, uh, as it sees itself, stood for law enforcement, stood for the rule of law, etc., etc., etc. Here's a guy who's broken every law in the book, as it were, and there is in one sector of that party just complete silence. Uh, and then, on the other hand, you have this kind of uh, these kind of uh, these kind of these kinds of calls for violence, violent ideations that you mentioned a moment ago. Um, and it, 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 it's almost as if the Republican Party has done a sort of 180. What does this to your mind, Mike Rothschild, say about their party that they could be standing by, sitting by quietly 
while these kinds of egregious um, uh, indictments are being leveled against their former president. Yeah, it shows just how completely enthralled the party is to Trump and how they have completely inverted the the morals and the political stances that they once had in order to please him and to get behind him. You can look at the same thing with Russia. You know, it was not that long ago where there was no amount of money that we could spend that wasn't enough to defeat the Soviet Union. Now these people love Russia. They they stand against Ukraine. Everything has become inverted because Trump is not a traditional politician. Trump is a, essentially a grifter. And he has the entire party basically as his marks, and he can do anything he wants with them, including use them as his personal army. Mm. So, so let me ask you, uh, Mike, uh, to what extent these um, are just threats? I underline the word just. Uh, to what extent are these just threats, or is law enforcement um, right to be on high alert today? Well, law enforcement is definitely right to be on high alert. You know, we saw with January 6th that underestimating this uh, it does not end well. But what's really difficult about a lot of this is that it's hard to tell what's a threat and what's uh, just somebody bloviating on some message board. You know, you can't, if you take every single one of these things seriously, we'd be living in a police state. Mm. But if you don't take any of it seriously, then really bad things can happen. And law enforcement doesn't usually have the training to be able to parse out what's real and what's fake, what's trolling, what's, uh, what's an actual actionable threat. And that's very difficult to tell because you don't always know until it's already happened. Mm -hmm. I would I would think to your invocation of um, January 6th, I would think that if you watched what happened post January 6th and to my mind, uh, in some ways, um, they were moving a little slow. The Department of Justice moved slow. But once they yeah. got ramped up, um, they started uh, they started prosecuting. And there are a whole lot of people right now uh, behind bars, uh, including the Proud Boys. Uh, because of their involvement in what happened on January the 6th. So my point is, if you're watching that and you see that the government will, in fact, get serious and prosecute you for that kind of misbehavior, maybe you're going to talk a bunch of trash on the Internet, but you're not necessarily going to show up and do anything because you see now that you could end up behind bars for, for many, many years. So maybe, uh, then again, maybe I'm, maybe it's a pipe dream. You tell me. No, the, the arrests and the prosecutions of the January 6th perpetrators has definitely had a chilling effect on organized right-wing violence. I think there was a sense with January 6th that they were going to get away with it, mm -hmm. and that somehow, through some sort of magic, Trump was going to stay in office and he was going to pardon everybody. Well, obviously that didn't happen. So now a lot of these people are either already behind bars or already on probation, or they know that if they step out of line, they will they will face the consequences of law enforcement. And I think it's really chilled how much they're organizing, how armed they are, and how much we're really seeing with these Trump indictments. You know, we really didn't see anything after the Manhattan indictment, mm -hmm. and so far we're really not seeing anything in Miami. Yep. So when we come forward with our guest, Mike Rothschild, we're going to talk about um, uh, whether or not what we should be looking for is organized um, disruption like we saw on January the 6th, or lone wolf behavior, and what I'm reading suggests that um, uh, that there will be some lone wolves that will be uh, motivated by this kind of language, uh, this kind of uh, hyperbole, um, to exact some sort of revenge, if you will, for the indictment of Donald Trump. But, it, but uh, again, it'll be more lone wolf than organized um, uh, uh, upheaval. We'll talk about that in a great deal more when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Mike Rothschild, I take the point you made earlier that um, after his indictment and arraignment in Manhattan, we didn't see any uh, real activity. 
and after the announcement of these indictments uh, by the federal government, we haven't seen since that time, I should say, we've not seen any real activity. Uh, again, a, a, a serious uptick uh, of, of, of trash talking, violent rhetoric, if you will, uh, in many of these online platforms. A, a lot of um, a lot of uh, hot air coming from these far right militia organizations. But again, nothing in the streets anywhere near what we saw on January 6th. Then again, we didn't see January 6th coming. I raise all that to ask whether or not we should be expecting um, disruption uh, in lone wolf form or whether or not it is still possible that we'll see something organized like January 6th. Just, you know, it pops up in ways and in places that we didn't expect it. Expect that there will be somebody who interprets these messages and maybe doesn't have the mental faculties to filter out reality from fantasy, but has a lot of guns and goes somewhere to do something to help Trump. You know, we saw that a while back with somebody went and shot up an FBI field office in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. These are things that are extremely difficult to predict because you often don't know uh, what's going to happen until it's already happened. There's no specific threat that's being made. There's certainly no planning being made. This is just somebody who's off in their own universe who decides to go do something. So that threat is, is really ever-present. But I think the idea of these groups organizing in public and, and doing these kinds of massive, uh, almost, attacks you know, they're, they're terrified of being infiltrated by the FBI. They're saying that Miami is, is going to be a setup, that anybody there who looks like they're going to be planning violence is a Fed. They're, they're, they're extremely paranoid, and so far that's kind of kept some of the worst of this at bay. But there's always people out there who just live in their own universe, and they may do something. How likely do you think, and these are things that we can't always know, obviously, but how likely do you think FBI infiltration is? I raise that because... Uh, there, there's all kind of evidence uh, all these years later about the ways in which they infiltrated the Black Panthers. And let me be very clear, the Black Panthers were not trying to overthrow the country in the way that, that these uh, Trump sycophants are. But uh, well, what about FBI infiltration into these uh, uh, pro-Trump groups? Well, they're right to be paranoid. A lot of these people have been found to be FBI informants. You know, you look at the Proud Boys, you look at somebody like Enrique Tarrio, their leader. Mm -hmm. He was informing for the FBI for years. So they're, you know, as, as paranoid as they are and as bizarre as they seem to be, they're, they're right to think that somebody is coming after them. It might just be the guy drinking beer next to them and not the, the federal agents monitoring their Twitter accounts. Yep. As yet, Donald Trump has not been held accountable as yet. Um, these indictments have to do with these documents at Mar-a-Lago. We're still waiting on whether or not there'll be indictments related to January 6th and his involvement in that. Uh, that is yet to come. Um, so again, at the moment, he's not being held accountable for January the 6th. And it seems to me that even though um, there's been a lot of talk about, excuse me, the power and the authority that judges have to uh, keep Donald Trump quiet, um, that has not been put into effect as yet. And as we all know, the judge that has this, I hear you laughing already. The judge that has this case is perhaps likely not to gag Donald Trump, given what we know about the ways she's bent over backwards uh, heretofore to accommodate Donald Trump and his lawyers. But, but, but what, I'm, what I'm pressing toward is how accountable he should be and whether or not a gag order on Donald Trump might tamp some of this down. Well, I, I, I applaud the judge who attempts to gag Donald Trump. Uh, you know, good luck with that. Um, but, you no, know, we've seen that he is going to say anything he wants to say in whatever way he wants to say it. I, I don't think any gag order will put any kind of fear into him. And this is what he's done. He, t he tries to talk his way out of every single one of these situations. And, you know, you can, you know, putting aside whatever he says on Truth Social, 
37 felony counts is difficult to talk your way out of, but he's going to try. Mm-hmm. Um, when we come forward in our remaining moments with Mike Rothschild, I want to ask him, um, I guess the penultimate question, which is what is the right response to threats of political violence? I'm not sure I know the answer to that, so I'm going to ask that question. In our remaining moments, uh, the right response to threats of political violence, our guest is Mike Rothschild, who you're listening to right now on KBLA Talk 1580. So, Mike Rothschild, um, what is the the proper, the right response to these um, uh, kinds of upticks uh, in threats of political violence uh, around the indictment of Donald Trump? Well, I think the right response is to certainly to take it seriously. I think what the Miami PD is doing is is right in deploying a lot of assets just to make sure nothing happens. You know, take it seriously, understand where it's coming from, understand how much of it is probably just meaningless nonsense and how much of it might be real. But I think we also don't want to be paranoid. We don't want to over police. We don't want to feel like we're descending into some kind of dystopia because we're terrified that one guy with a gun might do something. That one guy with a gun might always get through and we can't completely alter our lives because of it. Yeah. It occurred to me a moment ago as I was just uh, uh, preparing to come back on the air with you, Mike, that when I use phrases like aggressive language and violent rhetoric and then uh, uh, attach that to persons online or attach that to far right militia organizations, I could very well attach that same language to members of Congress, <laughs> to to to, to mm, governors yeah. and other elected officials are, across the country. Aggressive language and violent rhetoric. The point I'm pushing toward, which I think you'll appreciate, is that there's so little civility in our political discourse these days. I think all of that is a part of this process, a part of this problem, a part of this this uh, this uh, toxic mix. What say you? Oh, absolutely. The, the tweets we're seeing from some of these uh, very Trump-aligned members of Congress are just unconscionable. You know, you've got sitting um, U.S. politicians talking about civil war and an eye for an eye. That's crazy. That That is so far beyond any kind of reasonable discourse. And unfortunately, there there's no real way in Congress right now to punish that because, of course, the House is under the control of Republicans. And, you know, the Democrats may eventually be able to rebuke some of it. But w- we've really crossed the line in terms of what is acceptable for politics politicians to say about other Americans in public. It's it's really unconscionable. I asked you a moment ago what the right response is to threats of political violence. Um, is there a proper response? What I hear your point about the, the House being con- controlled by Republicans now, but but I'm just I'm looking down the road and I'm just trying to, to, to assess and ascertain whether or not there's anything we think we can do about the incivility in our politics, because that is directly linked uh, to me. Uh, for me, rather, directly link um, to the future of our democracy, uh, this experiment in democracy, <clears throat> if we can't do something, excuse me, about the incivility in our public discourse. Yeah, it's really troubling. And, you know, we, we've seen these kinds of very passionate arguments before, but usually American politicians have been able to unite on certain things. And maybe we saw a little bit of that with some of the debt ceiling negotiations. But this kind of rhetoric that we're seeing from people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Clay Higgins, we, we've gone past any sort of political influence because they have influence over very large groups of people on social media. And, and it's not just about politics, it's about branding now. We, we expect some of these people to say outrageous things. It's what gets them on Fox News, what gets them on Steve Bannon's podcast. So until that 
stops being rewarded, I think we're going to continue to see it. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people making money off of these kinds of comments and this kind of rhetoric. So there's really no reason for it to stop, except somebody just says, well, I don't want to do this anymore. And the money is too big to do that. So here's my exit question. Uh, we've already seen the uh, the violent uh, rhetoric uptick uh, because of this failed indictment of Donald Trump. Uh, and there may be three more coming. We're still waiting on Letitia James, the New York State Attorney General. We're still waiting on the other piece in the Justice Department. Uh, about uh, Trump's role in January uh, 6th, and we're still waiting on Fannie Willis in Fulton County, Georgia. So there are three other, at least three other uh, adjudicating authorities who have yet to weigh in on whether they're going to indict Donald Trump. Uh, I close with this. Um, if that happens, all three of those things uh, come to come to uh, fruition, uh, how concerned are you about the uptick on top of uptick on top of uptick, not just in the rhetoric, but indeed in the violence, if they if if it appears that Trump is being piled on. Yeah, I, I, I do get concerned about that, that there will become a point where there is so much of this and there's so many of these arraignments and indictments and press conferences that the, the dam will burst and it will be just unavoidable. But I think so far it's moving slowly enough that the, the sort of ramp ups in rhetoric then kind of ramp down again. And a lot of these people turn their attention to other uh, anti-progressive mm -hmm. causes. And then Trump is back in the news for legal stuff and they ramp, they go back to Trump. Yeah. And obviously this might change as we get closer to 2024. But I think so far we're not seeing a kind of frenzied fever pitch that mm -hmm. might lead to something like another January 6th. Mike Rothschild is a, is a uh, conspiracy theory expert. His uh, most notable book is called The Storm is Upon Us, How QAnon Became a Movement, Cult, and Conspiracy Theory of Everything. Mike, good to have your insights on this program. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you.